What's up, everyone, and welcome back to the Real Ones Canes podcast. I'm the Beast Brian London. He is Brandon O'Doy. You can follow us on all of the socials. Follow me at Miami Radio Beast. Follow Brandon at Brandon underscore O'Doy, and follow the whole entire crew at Real Ones Canes. And Brandon, what happened Saturday? The Miami Hurricanes actually beat a Clemson team. Now, listen, Clemson's reeling a little bit, but still, they're tough. They're athletic. They're talented. And Miami beat them in double overtime, something we didn't think was going to happen, but it did. Just after a couple of days, what are your what are your thoughts looking back? Impressive on win, um, mostly because you played a true freshman quarterback, mostly bef- because you managed him, mostly because you made bonehead mistakes, you know, from a perspective of every aspect of the game and you still found a way to win. Um mostly because you started finding playmakers that you didn't know you had and and you're developing, you know, a dependability roster that you're going to need to play, you know, big time college football, especially on the road at Florida State. So everything we saw from Rashard Smith getting more involved um, to just Emory Williams managing to a bigger reliance on the run game and A.J. Allen and how clutch he was, um, you know, just a great game from the offensive line and just everybody on defense who, you know, played pretty much lights out. You know, Corey Flagg has caught a lot of grief from Canes fans over the years. He makes perhaps the play of the year and he hid himself just well enough. And, you know, Clay Kublick after the game, he said he thought he saw, you know, running room. He thought he started real estate and what he didn't see is a 5'11 linebacker who's creeping down the line. You can see it from the press box view, but, you know, you can imagine what it looks like on the field. And then all of a sudden, number 11 just comes around the corner is like, not so fast, buddy. You know, I've always been good against the run. It's the pass that I've been criticized for, but I've always been amazing against the run. That's why I'm in on third down when we think you're going to run. That's why I'm playing. I'm playing to do what I did, and and that's why Miami got the victory. We talked about it after the game in our post-game video and podcast. It's been talked about all week. They talked to Mario about it, both after the game and at his Monday presser. The physicality of Miami in the trenches, offensive line, defensive line, what they've been able to do between recruiting and the portal has really put them on par with some of the better teams in the country in those areas of down and dirty in the trenches and being. Yeah, no, that's what it's about. And, you know, this is a trench game. You have to have trenches and you have to have somebody special at the quarterback position. Those are pretty much the requirements because when you have great trenches, you can be, you know, less than elite at other spots, you know? So you have see some teams, namely like a Colorado, they're really good on the boundaries. They're really good on the edges and in the back, but they can't, you know, they, they can't stop a nosebleed up front. And, and that creates so many problems. So enter Miami, and I just know Mario is a guy from Miami, a gritty guy who's been a part of these national championship teams. He knew what it, the formula was. He knew he had to get better. He had to get nastier. He had to get tougher. You got a guy like Ruben Bain coming in, being a leader as a true freshman, not caring that this time last year he was playing high school football and preparing to make a state championship run with Miami Central. And then look at the 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 the, the press the post-game press conference. I mean, this is a, literally a guy who told me that he wants to win a Heisman, you know, during Kane's media day. 
Yeah, no, I mean, as audacious as that sounds, it doesn't sound nearly as crazy as it once did because, I mean, he's he's living it. And there was a tweet earlier this week, and I have to attribute it to, you know, Kane's writer, Gabby Uricha, uh, who said that basically Bane has had more pressures than guys who are being considered for the first round of the NFL draft. He's the most impressive defensive lineman in the country right now. And he just got to Miami. That's the crazy part about it. He hasn't even been there a full year. So there's just a lot to like about the physicality of this team and the way this team is being constructed. There's a lot of room to grow. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not, you know, ready to put him in the, the national championship conversation, but you have to like when you get great pieces. The Maya Goa kid on the offensive line is a freak. Then you put Ruben on the defensive line, another freak. Like, did you see that one clip where he completely decleated the tackle for Clemson? Yeah. And Clemson is known for their lines. They're lone. And that's one of their problems. They didn't have a defensive line like they've had in prep. I, I saw three major issues. One, you don't have a quarterback who you've had for all these years. Two, you didn't have the receiver you've always had. And three, you had nobody on the defensive line that anyone feared. And that's why Clemson isn't Clemson anymore. Now, they can figure out what their issues are. I'm here to talk about Miami. Miami now has multiple receivers who are weapons, a, a, a clear freshman All-American, possibly even freshman of the year. And then, you know, they have a quarterback that's, you know, getting the job done. If you can have your backup be a notorious ACC power, I mean, what does that say about your recruitment? And most people thought he was the number three guy coming into the season. So and he and here's the here's the crazy part. Yes, yeah. he wasn't even the most highly recruited quarterback for a moment in this class before Jada Rashad decommitted. He was going to be right. the guy that was just and also ran in this class. You know, now he's starting football games. So there's a lot to like here. Yeah, I want to get to that quarterback situation. We'll do that in a little bit, but I want to go back to Ruben Bain because. You're someone that knows a lot of these kids, especially the local ones, but all over from the time they play Optimus football. You're 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 you got relationships with a lot of these guys, and Ruben made it a, a a point after the game to say, "Hey, to all you little guys out there to look up to me, you know." And to paraphrase, it's like there's nothing better than doing it at home at at the school in your hometown. And I'm just wondering, do you think that message resonates out there in the community to some of these kids that are coming up that um, there is pride. There is something special about staying home and, and doing it at, at a place that's in your hometown. I, I think not so much with the kids. I think kids don't really pay close attention to that. When you're recruiting openly like that, you're talking to the parents and the decision makers. The people who are influencing the social right. circles around the kid are the biggest influence on where that kid goes. And, and that's just, it's always been like that. I've known Ruben Bain since he was in sixth grade. He was always an oversized kid who, you know, has been on the line. The thing about him, he was always a basketball player. So he, he was athletic, you know, even though he had, you know, a uh, big size. His dad's a really big dude. His brother's a big dude, played at FAU. He's got bloodlines. And his dad played at Morris Brown and HBCU in Atlanta and at Carroll City with Rick Ross and on some of those really good, you know, Wesley Frazier, Carroll City teams. If you're familiar with, uh, you know, Miami history, he was one of the, you know, most prominent coaches of the 90s. So at the end of the day, you're, you're talking about a kid that grew up around what it takes to be tough and strong and be Miami. And he's very much that. And so 
He had an opportunity to play at Miami. He could have gone anywhere he really wanted to. Auburn, Louisville, and some other schools were in the mix late. He was prioritized here. I wasn't sure, to be honest, that he was big enough to play defensive end. I didn't know that they were going to predominantly use him outside in college. I thought, surely they'll move him inside. Surely they'll you know, make him a three technique. But they left him out there. And he's just proven Lance Gidry and, and Mario Cristobal right. And it's just incredible to see. Now, I will say this. As time goes on, as time goes on, he'll have to develop and improve because just like, you know, guys who do really, really well one year and they've come basically from nowhere, everybody's going to have film on him next year. I mean, we're not talking about next year yet, but I'm just saying a lot of the things he's getting away with and doing he will have to perfect and show something, you know, because he'll they'll they'll have all offseason to break him down. Every every offensive staff will start with preparing for Ruben Bain. You're seeing it with Cam Kitchens. You know what I mean? You're seeing, you know, people having the opportunity to break a guy's game down. They know he jumps on certain routes. They know he does certain things, and they're taking advantage of that. And so you have to scout yourself in year two. When you had that breakout year. Your biggest problem is you have to try to figure out if I was posing me, what would I do to slow me down? And, and so for right now, it's all systems go with Ruben Bain. It, the message to me, though, resonates the most with the people, the social circles around kids, the youth coaches, the parents, the uncles, the aunties, the people you see at your, your graduation parties, your homecomings, the people who show up to you and, and whisper little things in your ear and plant seeds. Now, when those people can really get behind you staying at home and going to games, and once you make that decision and you come out of a game and you see 15 people just waiting to hug and squeeze on you after you've had a good game or even after a bad game, that's big. I know a lot of kids who send – I know a lot of parents who sent their kids to go to school and they in faraway places, and they have to make a decision if they're going to buy plane tickets to go and watch their kids play. They can't commit to being at every single one of their kids' games. And a lot of times, people in Miami, they lose track of the fact that we're at the very bottom of the whole United States of America. Like, it doesn't get any further south than this. So if you send a kid even to Georgia, their kids playing in Kentucky, you know, New Jersey, California, man, it's not cheap. I got to get on a plane. I got to get a hotel. Every time I see this kid play, I've got to pay for it. And then now they're trying to figure out, is the kid going to play? Is he going to redshirt? Then some, you have situations where I had a kid, you know, a uh, parent tell me, man, Brandon, I wish I could have been in my kid's game, but he hadn't been playing. All of a sudden, a guy gets hurt and they thrust him into the game and he had an amazing game and I wasn't able to be there. And so you're gambling now. That's what staying home allows parents to do. They can make half of your games every single year. So when you talk about guys like a Ruben Bain, a James Williams, a Cam Kitchens, a Takori Couch, a Jaden Davis coming back from Oklahoma, that's the re a Daryl Porter whose dad wouldn't be able to fly all over the world because he's a defensive coordinator in high school and playing on Friday nights. He, he can only go to the Hard Rock Stadium on Saturdays. He doesn't have the time to get to, to all of these faraway places. So this is what you know, Crystal Ball and the staff have to continue to to beat into the minds of these elite South Florida talent and, and show whenever you see guys having true freshman success, everything they're selling on a recruiting trail works. If you're a dude, we're not going to training will you. We're not going to try to redshirt you. We're going to say, hey, come right in, play right away, get all the accolades. 
and, and be the best you can be. And it's more is these local guys have success. The, the biggest thing that's going on to me is a guy like Rashard Smith. This is a kid who, since he was eight years old, I've known about this kid. He's been a track kid. He's always been fast. Kind of surprised to see him run out of gas at the end of that run and potentially, you know, cause a fumble that would turn the ball over. But I'm sure they're going to clean that up. He hasn't played a ton of football. But now that people realize this kid can be a playmaker, this kid has speed, he has elusiveness. You know, Shannon Dawson is just trying to figure out ways to get him the ball. And I, I told you after the game, and I may have said this in the post game, I'm not sure, but I'll say it now. Having no Tyler Van Dyke makes this offense more dynamic because Emory Williams is much more open to, to spreading the ball around, not staring receivers down, not exclusively going to Restrepo. Restrepo still led the team in receptions. He's still the go-to receiver. That's not going to change, and I don't think anybody wants that to change. But there has to be um, just a delineation of moving the ball around to all the different playmakers, and you see a lot more of that. It's only been a game, but you see a lot of more of that with Emory, and that's fun. Brandon, uh, Miami's coming off a big win, but so is Virginia. So we've got to talk about that aspect of things uh, in the next segment. we got to talk about the quarterback situation in the next segment. And then the defense is going to face something that has been challenging for a Miami Hurricanes defense. We'll talk about that as well. It's the Real Ones Canes podcast. It is Miami and Virginia. We'll have more of our preview after this. Welcome back to the Real Ones Canes podcast. I'm the Beast, Brian London. Brandon O'Doy is my co-host. You can follow us on social at Real Ones Canes. And uh, don't forget to, to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. We're always putting clips up, whether it's uh, uh, a couple of days before the game from the show or after the game. I'm always going to get Mario's presser up there. We're going to have our post-game stuff up there. All sorts of stuff, all sorts of content coming your way at the YouTube page as well. And we're on the Believe Network, and they have all of our stuff, too. So thanks to those guys at Believe. Brandon, Miami's kind of got a little bit of a quarterback situation, a little bit. We think Tyler Van Dyke is going to be healthy for this one. Uh, Mario said he's good to go. We've heard that before. Evidently, something flared up last week, late in the week, blah, blah, blah. Emery played. Um <laughs> But now we get back to Tyler Van Dyke, your favorite quarterback uh, in the nation. A great guy. And we saw a good Emery. Yeah, great guy. Great guy. Uh, and Mario point blankly said, listen, when it comes to redshirting these days, you really don't do it if a guy can be any kind of benefit to your team because of the portal, because you don't know. And that brings me to your guy, uh, Jakari Brown. That brings me to Emery and Tyler Van Dyke. And how are they going to manage the situation um, moving forward? What are your what are I your thoughts? I just think that you know I'll say this real quick on Jakari. We just have to be sure he's not talented enough to play here. We just have to be sure. If they're sure without letting him play, then that's fine. I'm okay with it. But why he doesn't get snaps against Temple and Bethune just blow my mind. It just really, really blow my mind. Because there are no more gimme games. I mean, <laughs> listen, you see what Virginia did last week. Like, you can't take them for granted. I'm glad that happened because this game has trap game 
written all over it. You could be looking ahead to Florida State and forgetting about North Carolina on the road. Forget all of that. You got to get through these guys and throw the records out. They got a lot of South Florida kids on that team. You know, you got Dave Harrar from Stranahan, the kicker, the starting kicker, Will Betridge from Gulliver Prep. I mean, it's there are kids on that team that can play football. Jason Hammond, two freshmen from St. Thomas Aquinas. Um, there are kids on that team that can play, and they're going to be motivated to come home to show why they felt like they maybe should have been Canes or they should have been highly, more highly recruited. And, and kids who don't get recruited by Miami always come home with a freaking chip on their shoulder. It's so tough to watch because it's like these guys are literally playing beyond themselves, and they want to just prove a point. And so you have to be very, very careful of all of that. Virginia's playing this fireball, but back to the quarterbacks. I think that this staff will be judged on how this Curry situation is handled. Now, granted, when your staff doesn't choose a guy, there's no loyalty, and you're seeing that. Ja'Cory is not a crystal ball staff take. He's a guy that was committed to Manny Diaz, and they held him into the class, which was smart to do because it's hard to go grab a quarterback as late as they can. So now, Emory's your guy. He's going out and won you a game, not just any game. He's won you a big game. So now, why would you ever play him? You know what I'm saying? And to me, if Tyler is okay, I think if you can manage Emory enough to beat Clemson, you can do the same thing against Virginia. Give Tyler another week because you're definitely going to need him on the road at North Carolina State. Sending a true freshman quarterback on the road in in a wild environment is a recipe for disaster. He's home. He's comfortable. He can be managed. The crowd is going to be friendly. I think you stay. If there's any doubts about Tyler, I think you stay. You can dress him even. I think you keep him in a protection mode, and that's how I would play. But, again, that's with, that's me saying that without any information of what really goes on behind the scenes. And even if I had the information, I wouldn't say it publicly because, you know, that kind of gets into sort of the inside baseball of, of what it is that we do. So that's my thoughts, Beast. I'm curious to see what's your thought on Jakur because – you and I, I don't know if you disagree necessarily, but you've definitely seen Tyler's play in Ja'Curry, and we've had these conversations offline. So let's put it on the record. Where do you stand with these quarterbacks? You know, I think if Tyler's healthy and there's no risk situation as far as re-injuring or making something worse, I think he starts. Um, but as far as Ja'Curry goes, yeah, I wa- I'd like to see him play. I definitely want to see him get some run because I'd like to know what I have for sure. And we did see him a little bit last year, but I'd like to see him in this offense with this offensive coordinator being coached by this coach to see what we have. I I think that's a fair thing. We've seen Emory. We know Emory, if need be, can handle himself uh, at the college level. And he did it against a, a top 10 defense at the time. So I've seen that. Now let me see the other guy. Let me see what he has to offer. I definitely think that should be something should be something that that we see whether they you know give him a series regardless whether you know Miami happens to take a lead and he gets the second half whatever it is whatever whatever way they can get him involved I'd like to see what JB yeah, has and I don't offer. know the philosophy around it that's that's me on the record seven games in we haven't seen him at all there's got to be something we don't know and I'm just no maybe it's possibly or or maybe they just had in their mind that 
that if there was a situation in the first half of the season, they would play Emery. And if it's the second half of the season, it'd be Jakari. I don't know. It doesn't make sense to me. But again, I'm not behind closed doors uh, at Green Tree practice field uh, in the indoor practice facility. I'm not there. I'm not in meetings. I don't know what's going on. I do know what's going on with Virginia, though. They've got uh, an inspired team coming off a big win against North Carolina. And their quarterback played okay throwing the football. That that was fine. But basically, I looked at the stats. And I'm like, oh, wow, they've got like four guys that can run the football. And then I'm like, wait a minute. One of these guys who got over 60 yards rushing is the quarterback. And then I did a little digging. I'm like, oh, this guy can take off and run. And then I listened to Lance Gidry's press conference from Monday. And okay, they're going to line up. They may line up in empty. They may not line up in a couple of tricky sets. And he's going to take the ball and he's going to decide to call his own number and run and possibly up the middle. And this is something that has hurt Miami time and time and time and time and time again. And I'm just wondering if uh, if maybe they'll play a little more inspired against this situation than yeah, they have. Yeah, I would past. expect Corey Flagg to play a little bit more. Um, he's he's the run linebacker. You know, he's a guy that I think we saw a lot of K.J. Cloud last week. He got burned for a touchdown. He made up for it. Um, but I think if I had to be a coach, I think you're going to see a lot more Wesley Bassaint and – Corey Flagg this week because when you got a run heavy offense, those are the run stoppers. Those are the guys that are going to make big hits and they're going to track down the ball and they are the Greyhounds. So I, I just expect Miami, you're going to have to bring your lunch pail. These guys are coming in high off a big win. They did it on the road. This is a super young team, a team that's overcome tons of adversity. Imagine losing three of your teammates, not just one, three of your teammates to gun violence. One of those guys was from Miami. They're in his hometown. They're going to be super inspired. I'm sure his family's going to be there. Like, it, it, this is not a team to take lightly this week. This is just not a team that you want to be fooling around with uh, because they do have the ability to beat you because they beat a team you lost to. Yeah, Lance Kidry, uh mentioned that, you know, against Clemson, he switched up his defense a little bit, ran a little bit more bare than he normally does, 3-3-5, three, three, uh, switched up kind of some of their strategy, may do it again this week. We'll see how they come out and line up. On the flip side, offensively, the Miami Hurricanes, um, you know, or, or defensively for Virginia, they're going to basically try to keep everything in front of them, according to Shannon Dawson. They're going to put five in the back. They're going to try to not give up a big play. They're going to make you get it in the middle of the field. They're going to make you get it in the run game. Um, and so that being said, you know, I don't know where we are with Mark Fletcher. Um, I don't know where we are with Henry Parrish. It looks like he might be back this week, but I'd like to go in the game with more than two running backs. Uh, right, you know, it was the Cheney and Allen show last week with a little Brashard Smith in the backfield, but I'd like to get those other yeah, two guys. I don't healthy. know where the freshman CJ was. I he's kind of disappeared from the rotation. He got a little burn in those uh, you know, right. big blowout games. But yeah, I mean, that's the thing we we haven't discussed. We won the Clemson game with not only a backup quarterback, but with backup running backs. We didn't have our starting two running backs. We didn't have our starting quarterback. There's a lot to like about what took place against Clemson. So, yeah, I definitely – the way this offensive line is running, I definitely want to get Henry Parrish back. I definitely want to get Mark Fletcher back. I think they're going to be quiet on Fletcher because, I mean, he's getting to the point where, you know, he can still take a red shirt, you know what I mean, and maybe get back for the bowl or whatever the case may be. 
Uh, you just, you know, as a freshman, I don't know what's wrong with him. No one has intimated what it is. Um, but it would be cool to have either one of those guys back. Because, see, to me, if we're running the ball the way we're running the ball right now and one of those guys comes back, it's just, you know, that just adds to what Chaney and Allen have done. Remember, Parrish is the guy that is the most used to carrying the load. Chaney is still a guy that's never played a full season. So this will be the first opportunity for him to get this much burn. And Allen is a guy that, you know, to me, he's good in spots. He's a big time um, guy with, you know, just running straight ahead. I just, I worry about him in pass pro. So if, if he can come in and get five or 10 carries, I mean, five to seven carries, and you're doing most of the heavy lifting with a Parrish and a Cheney, I kind of like that rushing attack a lot more. And, you know, it, it just remains to be seen what team they're going to put out there. But I'm a lot more confident than I have been about this team based on what they just did. So um, I'll just leave it at that. The line opened up at 18 in favor of the University of Miami. It's now moved up to 18 and a half, even 19 in some of the uh, the sports books. Wow. So people are laying money heavy on Miami with that spread. Kind of surprising to me that Miami would be there would be such a favorite. Uh, I mean, listen, obviously people are putting a lot on their win against Clemson, but how can you forget what Virginia just did to North Carolina, which, you know, a lot of people thought might have a chance to make the playoff. So, and when Miami played North Carolina, obviously had a lot of trouble as we saw in that second half, it was abysmal for the university of Miami. So I don't understand the spread, but I'm not a handicapper. I'm not, I, I'm not prepared to sit no. here and feel that confident that the University of Miami is going to win by, you know, three yeah, touchdowns. I wouldn't give 18 points to my mom, you know, in a football team. That's, that's a lot. <laughs> that's a lot of points, especially for a Miami team that's kind of been all over the place, you know, from a team perspective. But at the end of the day, it's good to be favored. It's good to be favored at home. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen with the quarterbacks. You know, the, the thing that worries me about Van Dyke is, it just seems very, I know what to expect when he's playing quarterback under this, you know, offense. I felt like Dawson really showed his, his, his nuance and his ability to, you know, really sit down and come up with things when he had this other guy. At first he was protecting him. It was protect, throw to the bubble. It was this, it was all this, you know, vanilla stuff. And then as the game kind of, you know, opened up when he realized hey, we can't win like this and, the defense gave him an opportunity. He got a gift with the 80-yard run from Brashad. He said, okay, let me start letting this kid throw downfield. He had a big miss early on. I think on the pick, it was, uh, you know, I think it was a communication issue. And all of a sudden, it's like, oh, wow. He threw a, you know, a great pass to Kobe Young. He dropped it. He, then he started opening up, throwing some better passes downfield. And it's like, wait a minute. This kid actually does have some tools. Like, he can, he can be trusted. And so – it just depends on what Gidry and staff are going to do, how hurt Tyler is. I'd love to see us run an offense with Tyler that we did, you know, this past week. I'd love to see sort of that dynamic nature there and kind of getting everybody involved. I wonder if Tyler being on the sideline for this last game and seeing everybody else that got involved in the game, especially Colby Young and what he can do with his big frame, getting him involved – um, I wonder if that gives Tyler a different perspective and how he might approach this game with the offense and say, I don't have to necessarily throw every pass to X. Like I got other guys that can 
And we're exaggerating some. I mean, he gets Jacoby George and, and, and Kobe Young involved. But, sure. yeah, I hope he looks and says, man, there's some weapons here. There was a, a really nice play to Tyler Harrell that didn't count. But, you know, he picked up a nice first down on a reverse. You got to figure out ways to use his speed. I still think we need to be getting Isaiah Horton more involved because the thing is he can basically – become a Kobe when he has to go to the bench. He's got the speed. He's got the size. And um, he seems to catch, you know, the ball pretty well. He had some uh, big third down catches early in the season when he came in in spot duty. But, again, we don't know who's behind the scenes, who's showing up late to meetings, who's not earning playing time by the things that they're doing off the field. These are things that we just are not privy to. Um, so we, from the guys that we've seen play, I think you want to see more from Rashad Smith I think you want to get X involved. I think you want to get George involved. I think you want to get Kobe Young definitely involved. You definitely want to use him as the end zone target that he is and, you know, the red zone target that he is. And then you want to try to mix and mingle a few other guys. From the running back perspective, I like what we're doing at running back. It's just I want to keep them all healthy. It's just we can't get these guys, you know, to play, you know, a full season. But that's why you need depth. And when you're recruiting, you need to point to this. It's like, look. Yeah, you're a dog, and we're taking another dog in our class, but the chances of you guys being healthy all season are slim to none. Like, this is the college football. Guys get hurt. We got to have depth. We got to have dude. The best Miami has ever been in their history um, back in the 90s and late 80s, 90s, early 2000s, they always had multiple running multiple running backs who were competing every single day in practice to push each other to be better, uh, to see who could, you know, make it happen on Saturday. That's always been uh, Miami's kind of philosophy is that competition has to be hot for this team to be good. And I think we're we're getting to that point if those guys could be healthy. All right, Brandon, it is Miami and Virginia Saturday, 3.30. We will be there. We'll have the post-game reaction for you. Make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Subscribe to the YouTube channel at Real Ones Canes Podcast. Follow us on social. Brandon's at Brandon underscore O'Doy. I'm at Miami Radio Beast. The crew's at Real Ones Canes. We can't wait. It's Miami. It's Virginia. We'll see what happens. All right, everybody. We'll see you when you see you. Go Canes. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.